The FDF podcast is sponsored by Clark Energy, sustainably powering the food and drink sectors. FDF podcast, passionate about food and drink. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the FDF podcast. Today, we'll be discussing the bigger picture of sourcing sustainable commodities. My name is Emma, and I'm the Senior Sustainability and Environmental Policy Executive at the FDF. The past couple of years have been incredibly important for environmental policy and the broader action on sustainability. In 2019, the UK became the first country to pass a law requiring the government to reach net zero emissions by 2050. And since then, there has been a growing global shift towards net zero ambitions from other countries, cities and businesses. This includes 110 of the 191 parties to the Paris Agreement who have so far submitted new or updated nationally determined contributions. And this really sets the scene for the future of overseas production and sourcing of ingredients. Also in the UK, the Environment Bill continues to move through Parliament. In terms of sourcing of commodities, it now includes an amendment that will create the primary legislation to require large businesses to ensure that they undertake due diligence on forest risk commodities. DEFRA have indicated that this will be part of a much wider package of measures, possibly including some of the other recommendations of the Global Resource Initiative. Looking forward, we are also in a period of international conversation with the UN Food System Summit, Convention on Biological Diversity, or COP15, and the UN Climate Change Conference, or COP26, which will be hosted in Scotland in November 2021. Discussions at this scale will set the path for a global food system that is sustainable, resilient, and fit for the future. Today, I'm also joined by Emily Fripp, who is the founding director of EFICA, and has worked for more than 25 years in the field of natural resource economics. Emily, would you like to quickly introduce yourself? So I'm Emily, director of EFICA, as as you've said, Africa has been around since um, 2009 and we work in that sort of space between public sector and private sector. So influencing policy, um, thinking it through and then trying to work with companies to implement that policy. So we play this sort of hybrid role. And in particular, one of the roles we're playing at the moment is we are the facilitator and the chair for the UK Sustainable Palm Oil Initiative and the UK's Global Resource Initiative. So two sort of roundtable task force that bring industry together to provide an an open space for collaborative dialogue, um, recognising we can't work individually and we need to work as a collective, and also providing that space where we can share lessons and have those in-depth conversations. So I think that's that's where I'm coming at from today. Um, and these topics that you've alluded to in the direction of travel are very, very pertinent to the conversations and the groups that we convene and the dialogues that we have. And as I mentioned, there is a lot of conversation on sustainable sourcing of commodities. And I think quite rightly, there is recognition that these conversations need to happen on an international platform. So what do you think we need to see at the upcoming UN Food Systems Summit, COP26 and COP15 to support businesses who are really looking to go on this journey? I I think governments need to step up. I think that's quite clear. Business has been moving in this direction, doing a number of initiatives over the last 15, 20 years. And you can see that the the ask of business has been gaining momentum from a message of, you know, are you legal? Do you know what you're doing? Do you know your supply chain? To actually, you've got to sort of report, monitor, you've got to have real-time data. Um, There's a much 
sort of stronger narrative that companies are having to deal with. Race to zero is another one that's being added onto business. And business has made a lot of movement in the right direction. And we're now at a stage where I really feel that governments have to step up, step up in the ambition, step up in the ways that they can support and direct that change that business is leading. I think at these summits, as you've said, there's UN UNFSS, the Food Systems Summit, that's about protecting standards, it's about food systems, it's about dealing with these big topics. You know, we see the empty shelves on the supermarkets, it goes from that and lorry drivers through to farmers needing the right income on the ground and the right sort of framework technical knowledge to change the way they behave. But as consumers, we have a role as well in terms of moderating how much we consume, what we use and how we use it, that sort of messaging. So I think the Food Systems Summit is is really important conversation. The Climate um, COP26, so this UNCCC Climate Initiative, that link between mitigating climate change, trying to drive down this 1.5, you know, we're heading for that, or we're heading for three degrees um, target, we need to be a lot less. There's such clear evidence between the way we use our land, the way we can farm, the way we produce, trade and consume commodities is driving and playing a, a fundamental role in, in that sort of climate um, sort of, well, the negative side of the climate change, but, but therefore has the converse role of being able to, to leverage the change that's needed. I think it's something like 30% of global emissions comes from, from the way we produce and consume food. So that to me is a really big important narrative that needs to come out of this. It's not just about planting trees, um, all of us using electric vehicles. It's about what we eat, what we use, how we use it and how it's produced. That to me has to come out of this narrative across all of these three platforms. It's a collective agenda. We can't do it alone. That's why I think these international platforms are so critical. The UK's small in, in the market power that we have in our purchasing power, but we have a strong influencing role across Europe, but, but working with other consuming countries and the relationships we have with producer countries. So we, we've got to convene, we've got to get that collective action, and we've got to send a very clear signal, so that's governments, private sector, civil society, that strong, clear signal that illegally produced products no longer will be produced, traded and consumed. That has to stop. It has to be legal and sustainable in everything we do and, and what we use. And so I know it's a challenging time and your members know this more than anybody else. But with global pandemics, economics, poverty crisis is a challenging time. But it's also a huge opportunity to do that green recovery, to make sustainable production and consumption at the heart of what we're going to be doing in terms of moving forward and recovering from the situations we're all in now. Um, that That's my government step up, I think, is probably my overarching point <laughs> I would like to make. And I think the point you make on COP26 and really bringing together the sort of ingredient sourcing and our scope three supply chain emissions and bringing that in is really important. And that's a big part of uh, the FDF's Net Zero Handbook, which we'll be publishing at COP26. Um, and specifically in the UK, the Environment Bill has been amended to include the primary legislation for due diligence for large businesses. Although a lot of detail is still to be set out in secondary legislation, how do you see this contributing to a more sustainable sourcing of key commodities? And do you anticipate any gaps? Yeah, I mean, it's 
it's really important, isn't it, to sort of as a, as a tool to level the playing field. I think the leaders have been leading and they've got so far. And you can see that in terms of the amount of um, sustainable palm oil that's imported into Europe, the UK, into Europe globally, the levels of sustainable palm oil that's produced. You know, it's been pretty static. And I think having the UK's due diligence obligation is a way to say, you know what, this is a responsibility of everybody. We need to all get behind this. We all need to send a clear message here as a market. Um, as I said before, you know, illegal products do not have a place on our in our market in the UK or, or anywhere. Um, so I think it it sort of does that benchmark. Those that have been doing this for a while get recognition for it. Those that are still starting out um, perhaps are given the motivation to do more. It it also sends a really important message to producer countries, not that we're saying we're not going to buy from you because you're illegal, but the, the reverse. It's saying the good work you're doing on the ground with your own national certification schemes, making that progress, making sure what is produced is legal and deforestation free and not on peatland, etc., will actually have a role to play. It might not be recognised in our market certified, but it will be a way for UK businesses to have the assurance and feel confident in what they're buying is produced in the right manner. So it's a really important signal for the market. I think in terms of, of gaps, it is focused on large companies, um, but I think there will be sort of information flows that will trickle throughout. So I think it will actually capture a broader share of the UK market sort of in an indirect way. If you're supplying into a larger company or you're buying from, you're going to have a relationship there and you're going to be um, providing information or asking for information. So there will be that link. Um, other commodities need to come into it. And I think that will be evolved. That's important not only to just sort of from a political message that we're just not focusing initially on palm oil and soya, for example, but actually other commodities and the way we produce our agricultural commodities is important and will be captured. So your cocoa, um, forest commodities like rubber, they're, they're in the pipeline, you know, so I think that needs to come through. That's an issue for substitution. People will be going, oh, I need to move out of palm oil. What, what else is available so I can avoid this legislation? Well, we need to make sure actually, no, it's about it's about the broader narrative, isn't it? It's about this whole ethos of the way we live and consume is really important. There will be a pressure to go beyond legal. In Europe, the due diligence obligation is going beyond legal, or that's their aspiration. But I think private sector companies the government buying standard that needs to be revamped and, and get more fully sort of well it's it's there but it's not really used and it needs to be more more sort of rigorously applied and reported on and monitored on but that needs to step up as well and they think that plus private sector go beyond legal and that's probably a strong message that goes back to all of the uk industry that legal is great but it's a starting place. And actually, we should be have aspirations that go beyond. And again, I think this sort of EU global link, you know, the UK is small, we don't want to be seen that we're going to be excluding products from a market, um, you know, or sort of cutting off trade, obviously, we want to exclude illegal, but we don't want to be seen as a trade barrier. But we also need to make sure that Europe and, and other consuming countries are taking the same message that we expand our influence and 
collectively as consumers and consumer country, we can sort of have that consistent market message. And this due diligence requirement for UK businesses was one of a number of recommendations to come from the GRI task force. Um, Could you tell us a little more about that and some of the other recommendations that were made to government? The GRI, so the Global Resource Initiative Task Force, was um, an an independent task force established by government. It came out of the um, the 25-year environment plan. So that had a recommendation for this task force body. Um, It was set up, I'm trying to think when, I think it was 2018, um, we had our first meeting and then there was a series of meetings and working groups. And in March 2020, it produced a recommendations report. The members of the task force are from um, finance sector, business, civil society, um, think tanks, and I think it was one of the, you know, in the UK, it's one of the first that comes in with those different actors, actually having honest conversations between the world of finance and the world of business and, and civil society has been really interesting and at times challenging. And they were high high level people in the task force. So it was intended to have people who could make decisions, who knew what was going on. So they came together um, and then we were tasked um, to, to tackle and to think through what what should the government be doing to address its UK overseas consumption footprint in terms of the footprint is in terms of its deforestation and land use change associated with the with the products we're consuming? Um, thinking about the key commodities, but what can the UK do? And what it came up with in the in the report is 14 in, interconnected recommendations for actions on both the demand side. Um, so what we can do within the UK, but also what can be done to support producers. So on the supply side. So it talks about having collaborative trade partnership agreements, um, providing innovation for production um, and awareness, getting finance to where it really needs to be, finance to smallholders, but throughout that whole value chain. Um, It talks on the demand side about having a due diligence obligation, a government buying standard. But I think the real point of this is it was about a package of actions. It recognises that you can't just do a due diligence on, on its own. You know, the due diligence obligation is great, but without having partnerships, collaboration with producers, um, making sure that producers, wherever they are in the in the Amazon or in sort of Borneo in Indonesia, are able to meet the, the ask that we're putting out there is really important, that sort of changing behaviour. There's no point in us saying we're only going to have this because we have z- minuscule influence on what, say, the Indonesian producers do. And their markets, their consumption, their regional trade is really important. So we've got to maintain that dialogue and that way of working together. And that's what this is about. There was also a sort of need that we've been sharing lessons with other consumers. So the principles of the GRI approach have been shared. We've been working with China and with other platforms to get some of that process along. So it's a really exciting space. Um, Our current challenges are on finance. And how do we get the principles of due diligence to the finance sector? How do we get them to take responsibility, not only for their direct investments in, say, traders or companies, but actually for getting money where it needs to be down the supply chain? So there's some really interesting, but you can imagine pretty challenging conversations that are still going on within the Global Resource Initiative framework. I think the point you make there on collaboration is really key and thinking about 
um, across sector and producer countries. I know earlier you mentioned the UK Sustainable Palm Oil Initiative and the target to reach 100% certified sustainable palm oil by 2020 is approaching. And that's along with the Amsterdam Declarations Partnership's commitment to eliminate deforestation in relation to agricultural commodities by 2025 target. So what advice would you give to businesses who are still on this journey? It's a, a sort of difficult one, isn't it? And we, we've sort of gone past that 2020 turning and we're sort of going, oh, did we meet this? And what does it mean? And, and what more do we still need to do? I think while the, the leading companies have kind of ticked that off almost, haven't they? And they've, they've got new policies and they're, um, they're, they're looking beyond their own supply chains now, um, working with their supply base and with companies and local governments and communities. And that's great. But like you say, if you're, if you're just sort of still in that sort of startup place of, of crikey it all feels fairly overwhelming um you know where do I go what is this issue and your initial reaction is going to be I'll just come out can I get rid of this palm oil business can I can I move away from it what else can I use and that's you know you can perfectly understand that but I think what we would say is take one step at a time you know engage in the discussion um stay involved don't walk away because by walking away you you really don't help with making that consistent ask. If if the people bringing in palm oil to the European, UK market and the European market feel there isn't really an ask for it or a demand for it, they're not going to they're not going to do it forevermore. So we need to stay positive. We need to stay engaged, and we need to continue to ask for that sustainable palm oil. So if you're if you're starting out on this, I'd say get 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 sort of up to speed there are lots of resource platforms and tools out there your own websites um we're we're developing a resource hub you can use those understand talk to people get get up to speed found it out work out whether or not that this is an issue what how you can play your role ask questions um and maybe just start with one thing start with one of your product lines or one of your um yeah your your products your commodities one one supplier don't try and tackle the whole thing all at once go for one thing learn by the others that are doing and the tools out there and then begin to ask those questions just by asking a question you're signaling to the person next up in your supply chain that you're interested and you want this information they then have to start thinking about it they then ask those questions that's as simple as it is once you start getting that and you start tracking it you get an idea of your whole supply chain how it works then you can ramp it up you can say all right that's great can I now have some evidence what evidence have you got how can you assure me that what I'm buying is sustainable palm oil legal and sustainable palm oil what evidence have you got and then you can move on in the the journey as it were I've used the word um you know, you can you can then continue to progress. You don't have to immediately jump in and go, right, I'm going to get certified. What have I got to do? And that's that can be pretty scary at the start. Like I say, it would be stay involved, ask the questions um, and, and learn and get get engaged in that dialogue. I think that would be my one thing. And I, it's interesting you raised before about this race to zero commitment at national level. And it's within your ambitions as, as the FDF. People are signing up to that because it sounds like a, a great thing to do and you, you can tick off those boxes. You can do the, the 
you know, change your energy, you can stop driving and they're the easy ones. Then you're going to have to start looking at your food and your commodities that you're using and you're going to end up asking exactly the same questions that you would be if you were just asking about sustainable production and, and consumption of your commodities. So you're going to come at it, but from a different way anyway. And as I say, just just take it step at a time. That would be my advice. Thanks, Emily. I think there have been some really valuable takeaways from uh, our conversation today. And um, I was going to ask, uh, do you have any sort of last thoughts or reflections that you wanted to share? Yeah, I, I do. I think FDF and its members have, have have and continue to have and be making great progress on ensuring um, only sustainable palm oils bought and processed and traded. You know, from your large brands to your small restaurants, the action and awareness is growing. And I think that's to be applauded. I think that this global, the, the big government dialogues going on is, is critical to support that and to give the mandate back to industry that you're doing the right thing and that you're going to get this back up. The new developments at government and international level linking consumption to our use of global um, commodities, but to these global issues of climate change, only you know they really strengthen the work that we're already doing and i think they should be taken as an opportunity to do more um and and a real positive there should be a positive encouraging feel for your members in the direction of travel of where they're going and you know, we're always very keen to hear directly from um, companies and stuff that we can try and feed into some of these higher level conversations but equally I think it's it, that there's an important narrative that needs to come back and be fed down um, to, to your membership as well. Great that's a great message to finish on and um, I want to thank everyone for listening to the podcast today and um, if you would like more information on what the FDF is doing then please do visit our climate change and net zero and sustainable supply chain web, web pages um, and we also have a COP26 webpage coming really soon. Um, you can also explore our environmental ambition, Ambition 2025, and visit our sustainability resource hub to learn more about some of the initiatives and standards that support sustainable sourcing. Um, and thank you again, Emily, for joining me. Uh, thank you very much for having me. The FDF podcast is sponsored by Clark Energy, sustainably powering the food and drink sector.